Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does your morning sound like? Goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage egg and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Guys being dudes. Whoa. 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 Yeah. Whoa. What you call an icon living? Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Nylon, couple five minutes. Whoa, we are too hot in the business. About to make a movie independent. Need new trucks independent. I need you to listen to the vision. All your verses sound like dirty dishes. I'm about to clean them in the kitchen. And we making money by the minute. I'm about to do a way different. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and Fan Reg Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of Scout at NDT Scouting, also with Fan Reg Sports. We are your hosts here on a New Year's Day edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. I hope everyone had a safe and fun New Year's Eve, and uh, I am excited about the football. That's on the docket today, as always, here on New Year's Day. We've got the college football playoff games on tap to get into. But before we do, Kyle, uh, it's good to be back with you, and thanks for uh, shouldering the load the last couple days without me. Yeah, you know, could we set me up with some kind of masseuse? My my low back is killing me. From putting, Yeah, putting oh. the team on my back. Yeah. I'm sure it was so days. hard for you to ramble on for 30, 45 minutes about Football. Yeah, I know. I I certainly love listening to myself talk. So that was. Yeah, we we, we know we know. <laughs> but I, I put hey listen. I listened to the podcast because I was driving, uh, really long boring drives to and from Orlando from Charlotte, and I listened to the Draft Dudes podcast and I heard you talk about how uh, you don't like to be told what to do in the pre-show and I certainly like to know what that was about. Um, I just figured I would give you as much grief as possible. Uh, while you were away, to paint myself in a more positive light. Okay. And um, I'm, I, I suppose I'm kind of manipulative that way. 
I've had a couple I complaints. Hear as well, so I took some time. I took some time though to self evaluate based on that. Oh, you're self scouting. I'm always self scouting. The best I've you've heard me say this before, and I always say this that the the best people in the world are the ones that are self aware, and and are, are don't have to told what's annoying and ridiculous about them. They know that for themselves and can control it. So I I took a lot of time with my 10 hour drive. Uh, to to think about that for myself. And the only thing that I can think of during the pre-show that I routinely say to you is that I want to avoid long uh, five, seven-minute monologues where just one person is talking. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm protecting the people in, in that way. You also just had a nice monologue for yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm not self-aware. What can I say? Record. Um, yeah, okay. No, and I suppose if we were doing some self-scouting, making resolutions – you know, let's make a resolution here on the draft dudes. Uh, okay. I resolve to not change an ounce of my persona here on the draft dudes. You know, <laughs> I I have had more than I can count on one hand. People are like, yeah, Kyle's kind of a dick. Um, but I'm having fun. I think that's the most important thing because as soon as we stop having fun, Joe, and as soon as we get straight-laced, what – what distinguishes us other than superior football knowledge and acumen, obviously, from any of the other you know, podcasts in the sphere? A lot of our colleagues, people that we have great respect for, are in the podcast sphere. So if I have to have a little bit of an edge so that we have an entertainment value that some of the other podcasts might not have that dynamic, I'm not going to apologize for anything. So I resolve to change nothing. Good. I think that's, uh, if anyone's listening to the show still, after uh, we've been podcasting together for over a year and a half, we've been on the Draft Dudes now for coming up on one year. If you're listening to this show, then chances are you enjoy the dynamics here on the show. You enjoy Kyle being, you know, the villain of the duo, as he self-proclaimed, and I agree with. And you enjoy uh, me just kind of being even killed and just sharing information <laughs> with, uh, with less, with less, uh, uh, I don't know what's the word pomp uh, than than Kyle does. So it it like is what that. it is. I like that a lot. Pomp. Pomp <laughs> is that short for pompous though? It, it is. is yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> it um. is. I assume it is. I don't know. You know what I mean? This isn't like I wrote an article here and I had a chance to look up the word, so I don't sound like an idiot. Uh, yeah, this is are, just live. Re- yeah. This we is are it, not so. English majors, so um, no. Let's go with that. Let's go with Kyle's got some edge and some pomp, and uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna roll with that. Full disclosure, I think this is important for us to say right now, is that we are recording this podcast before the Bills and Dolphins yes, this game. Yes, very on important Sunday. note, yes. Because I think the dynamics, uh, if we re- recorded post-game, uh, with you know obviously the Bills-Dolphins game in and of itself being significant, and then the Bills having a chance to go to the playoffs if, if the Bengals are to beat the Ravens or if the, uh, if the Titans and Chargers lose, which I don't know at this time that I'm saying these words. I don't know if that happened. Uh, uh, just know that those dynamics don't exist in this recording because we recorded before the games, uh, and so that's why we are not going to touch on that. We're going to have them on Wednesday. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm not counting on it um, just because I, I feel like that's the smart thing to do. I felt my heart beating a little bit different today, like just kind of weird just emotions inside of me because the Bills have a chance, like somewhat of a realistic chance to end this 17-year playoff right. drought. So. You know, I, I do have like that nervous, anxious excitement, but don't want to go too crazy type feeling. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do if the Bills make the playoffs. I, I've thought about this. Like, I don't know if I'm just going to like cry it out for a while. Um, 
I don't know if I'm just going to like get excited about you know playing the Chiefs or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what that's like. It's been 17 years. I was 14 years old the last time that this was something that was relevant to me. So um, um, just, uh, you know, look, I, I guess this will be fun to look back on on, uh, on Monday, listen to this thing, and, and knowing what happened here in, in about an hour. Yeah, so uh, final parting thought before we move on to, to the number in top plays, Joe. I've had that game twice in my adult life. Uh, 2008, Dolphins enter Week 17 against the Jets. I believe both teams are 10-5. and five. Uh, Winner makes playoffs, loser goes home. Dolphins go up to New York and defeat the Jets. Uh, Teddy Ginn had a nice touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone in that game. Uh, I'll remember that game for a really long time. And then last year, playing Buffalo. Um, J.H.I. puts 200 yards on the Bills, and that was the overtime game with uh, Matt Moore. I think that finished, what, 38-35? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, when Reggie Bush is reverse in overtime. Yep, I remember it. Yes, uh, sounds like you remember it very well, Joe, maybe even better than I do. So, um, <laughs> honestly, I I wish you good fortune in the wars to come, and that's all I can say. Wow, well, thank you. Uh, Kyle, 114 is the amount of days that remain between right now and the 2018 NFL draft, and our number today is, of course, 114, which is the record for the most punts in a season done twice. It's a shared record by the 1981 Chicago Bears and the 2002 Houston Texans. Uh, 114 points for, punts for the season. Now, keep in mind, let's get some perspective here. 114 punts is averaging over seven punts per game. Now I don't. I think probably what an average NFL team gets what ten or twelve drives a game, and seven over seven times on average you're punting it. And to give you some perspective on this season, going into today's games, week seventeen, the Atlanta Falcons have punted forty-eight times, which is the fewest <laughs> in the NFL, and that ranges all the way up to eighty-eight, which is the Houston Texans who lead the NFL in punts. Now I think if Mister Deshaun Watson uh, was playing. Uh, healthy for the season they wouldn't be quite as high on this list but 88 right now is the league lead heading into week 17 so you figure they're going to finish in you know the early 90s early to mid 90s the second place team is the jets with 87 but good lord 114 punts over seven times a game congratulations houston texas of 2002 chicago bears of 1981 for holding that record yeah that was the expansion year for the texans uh, first year yeah. in existence, 32nd in the league in points scored with 213. Oh, that's so little. 32nd in offensive yards. Um, Derek Carr got sacked like 400 times that year, right? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was even the year before they got Andre Johnson. So there was like no- mm. nothing going on on offense. Um, 213 points and 114. You almost have more punts than points scored. In a 16-game oh, season. It was, it was less than 100 away. That's uh, remarkable. You, know, if you're, you, you sat through that season. Uh, you certainly deserved every bit of the enjoyment that you had from 2011-2012 when that team went 22-10 uh, and 10 combined and won the yeah. division both years. That was a nice little run they had with uh, Matt Shaw playing kind of good, right? Yeah. He was like a yeah. decent quarterback. Andre Johnson was the best receiver in the league. Uh, Arian Foster, number one pick every year in fantasy football. That was a fun little little squad there. Culminated when they they threw uh, JJ Watt in the mix too. 
So it was yep. like JJ when he was healthy and young, like that offense was explosive. That defense was really good. Fun teams. Yeah. Well, if Deshaun Watson is right, which he should be next year, that's going to be a fun team again. So your future is bright. Houston, Chicago Bears of 1981. I don't know what your excuse is other than you're uh, historically bad on offense always. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, let's let's keep it there. And let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about right. some top plays. Uh, you know, last time we did top plays was last Monday. Uh, so we've had some college bowl games. We've had some scouting of some actual players. Joe, I want to talk about Saquon Barkley because uh, it was not too long ago it was a popular thing to do on social media, poke fun at Saquon Barkley and uh, didn't make the Heisman ceremony, which I'm still really bitter about. But, you know, you're going to be really pleased with it when I show up at your house with a handlebar mustache. And uh, Saquon Barkley rips off a 92-yard run against the Washington Huskies in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, and it's a healthy reminder that this guy has one of these plays every single game. He's got that play, that tremendous play that you look at and say, this guy's 5'11", around there, 230, around there, runs like the wind, is that big, can move that agile. It's just, he's the total package as far as the traits that you want to see. So, it was good to see Saquon pop a big run like that, 92-yard touchdown run, as a reminder that, yeah, maybe he's not uh, Bryce Love's 200-yard uh, games each and every week, week in and week out, but he's got everything you want for in a next-level running back, and that's why he's one of those unicorns that's going to be talked about as a potential top-five pick at the running back position. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see him in San Francisco with uh, Kyle Shanahan, but we'll dig more into those possibilities here as the months, the coming months come up. Uh, Kyle, my top play, I'm going to take a weird angle on this, as you may expect uh, from me you from never. time to time. Um, I'm not going to give you one play. I'm going to give you, like, a game's worth of plays. And I'm talking about Ohio State left tackle Jamarco Jones against Penn State. If you want to see a pass-blocking clinic pop on – this tape. Uh, Jones was routinely blocking on an island there on left tackle, and, and Penn State does a lot with their pass rushers to set them up to, to kind of widen their angles and set up advantageous opportunities to kind of work underneath the edge track and just get tackles in space and, and try to beat them. And Jamarco Jones, play after play after play, this dude is, is framing up rushers in space and just stymieing them over and over and over again. He is so smooth with his kick set, taking really good angles, staying square, getting his punch located in the middle of the chest plate. Very quick, efficient punts. His his hands are actually held high in the stance, which is, for some reason, rare to find an offensive lineman right now. He's got a really nice anchor. He moves his feet. He can slide his weight inside and outside. And I think this is going to be a blindside left tackle, you know, kind of a franchise guy at the next level. And the guy can't even get a senior bowl invite. And I know that you were high on him a couple of weeks ago, and you were, you were just kind of like, Joe, watch Jamarco Jones. Please just watch him. Just And I finally got around to it after I got done, you know, with my, my travels and stuff this weekend and made it a priority to watch him on Saturday. And the first game I watched was Penn State. And then I just, you know, the four or five games after that, it was everything was just continuing to be confirmed. But, man, my goodness, man, this dude just frames up rushers so nicely on an island. And uh, wake up, people. Get on this Jamarco Jones uh, bandwagon because I think he's arguably the second-best tackle in this class. Love you, Jill. Well, I, it's, it's good for us to be united here. You've, you have made me very happy, man. 
before the Bills play Dolphins today. So, actually, well, very worse. <laughs> we've united on some offensive linemen in the past, and uh, it, it didn't go well. Um, but uh, we'll see. I feel good about this one. We uh, we were at odds about one uh, Dion Dawkins, though. Ah, damn it, we were, and I couldn't be more happy to be wrong. Well, there you go. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, should we talk about the college football playoff here? Oh, we ought to. Yeah, you know, as everybody is tuning into the show, we're on the cusp of Georgia, Oklahoma, and the end of the trilogy. Maybe, hopefully, not the end of an era. Uh, Clemson and Alabama, 3.0. Joe, I'm gonna give you the first as far as which game you'd like to talk about, a matchup that you're looking forward to from that, something that you think might be an X factor that could tip the scales one way or the other. Oh, you don't want to talk about the Peach Bowl? No. <laughs> That's no. what, yeah. No, I don't. I'm heading to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, so I'm excited about that and getting back to my hotel room to, to check out these playoff games. Uh, I guess the first game is at five, and, it, and it's Georgia and Oklahoma, so we'll start there. Um, for, for me, when I think about this game, I think it's such an interesting dynamic thinking about this Georgia defense against this Oklahoma offense, strength against strength. Uh, Baker Mayfield, the best playmaker in college football against a Georgia defense with NFL talent everywhere. And um, if I had to pick kind of just one specific thing is obviously going to be Baker Mayfield, who uh, what I think is so interesting about him going against this defense is I think it's a, a really nice showcase for probably my biggest concern with Baker. And I'm very high on him, but there's sometimes when I watch Baker Mayfield where I just feel like he's got a little bit of a slow trigger. And he almost invites that chaos. And he's not going to be able to get away with that against a Georgia defense that is extremely fast and extremely physical. If he's going to invite chaos, he's going to be met by Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy and Trent Thompson and, and Roquan Smith. And, and uh, you know, I just – I'm really anxious to see, you know, if he plays with a little bit more consistency with timing or if he invites that chaos. And if he does, does he continue to have the same level of success that he has against, uh, the you know, the Oklahoma States and, and – Texas is other world. You know, Bellamy's actually a really nice player. I don't like him as much as I like Carter, but uh, Bellamy I liked more than what I thought I did when I just kind of casually watched George. I don't know if that's because I was comparing him to Carter, but uh, I think that's a matchup that I'm most looking forward to is Orlando Brown versus these Georgia edge rushers because they're going to have talent regardless of who they choose to line up across from Orlando Brown. So Brown, much more heavy-footed. He's long, really long, really strong. Can he sustain the edge against these guys that are going to be more twitched up than he is? Has that speed element. He's handled speed well so far this season, Brown has. Um, but I think Carter's probably on another level. And Bellamy is going to be very competitive as well. So well, some of that... Avoiding the chaos will come down to what the protection consistency is like. And uh, Carter and Bellamy really have an opportunity here to get after the left tackle and and cause some of this uh, team speed for the Georgia defense to to really keep windows shut if Baker's forced to quick decisions with the ball. Yeah, speaking of edge, Kyle, I, I really, I'm really intrigued to see uh, Oklahoma edge o- – Ogbanya Okoronku against this Georgia offense. And I think he's got a decided advantage against left tackle Isaiah Wynn, who I think is going to be a good NFL offensive lineman, but a guy better suited to play guard. And guys like Okoronku that are really twitched up, you know, 
speed rushers you know, are going to be hard for, for win. And so I think Okoraku has a really big opportunity here to impact this football game. Now, with that said, you can see Georgia coming out with the very – you know, run-heavy attack, and, and that's what I expect out of them with their, you know, their loaded backfield situation of Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb and um, Swift. Uh, and so, you know, is that going to slow down his ability to make an impact because, you know, he's not necessarily – uh, an ideal candidate for setting the edge and really being an impact run defender. So, you know, from kind of both sides of the spectrum here, Okoronkwu, when he's given opportunities to rush and, and affect the quarterback going up against primarily Isaiah Wynn, and then, you know, how does he hold up uh, in the run game if he's asked to set the edge uh, against Wynn with those great running backs or if he's going to be more utilized in shooting gaps and kind of being more of a slasher. So Okoronkwu, his usage in this game and how he performs is going to be important because, you know, there's some, some I guess, some hesitancy about where to play him at the next level. It looks like he's going to be playing uh, off ball at the senior oh. bowl. I kind of like him. I know it. I know it. I like him as an, as an edge defender, as an edge rusher and kind of a gap shooter. Um, so uh, this, this game will be pretty revealing, and um, you know, he has an opportunity to really make some noise uh, given the opportunity. What does your morning sound like? Oh, goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Yeah, my other matchup for this, there's, there's only really one thing when Georgia has the ball that I think needs to happen for them to have some sustained consistency with the ball. And that is Sonny Michelle and, and Swift and Nick Chug. they need to get the tough yards because this is the kind of defense that they're going to come out fired up, they're going to be flying around. But I think there's a decided talent advantage with the Georgia skill players versus the Oklahoma defense. So they have to get the tough yards and lean on these guys and fall forward early so they can stay committed to the running game and really wear down the Oklahoma defense. I think uh, Oklahoma's going to have a much more quick strike, kind of big play ability where Georgia, I mean, they're going to they're gonna pound you, pound you, pound you, and then eventually they're going to gash you because they're, they're just going to wear on you with how they run the football. And if they have success doing that, I think that ball control element of this game is something to really watch for. Kyle, let's get some predictions out of the way here. I, I think I let the cat out of the bag with what I'm thinking here with uh, what I put in my six-pack Thursday. So I'm, I'm going with Georgia in this game. Uh, I really feel like uh, the defense is going to be the difference. You know, the fact that Georgia can play defense and Oklahoma really can't. And that running game will keep things uh, neutralized and keep Baker Mayfield at bay on the sideline. So uh, I am—I think I went 24-17, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Georgia. And I know that you think I'm crazy for projecting only 17 points from Oklahoma. You like that Tom Brady reference? Uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> did. It was well done. 17 I don't know if I acknowledged <laughs> You didn't. I was disappointed. Yeah, well, that's, the, I, I, that's exactly why I didn't do it. You know, I'm just, I just want attention. That's all I do it for. It's just attention. Um, I also think Georgia ultimately probably wins this football game. I'll go with Georgia as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring, maybe uh, you know, 31, 28, 34, 28, something like that. Um, 
I think Oklahoma still has the big playability that they're going to get big plays. Uh, I think it's who is going to make the opportunistic play or two on defense to force some errors and cut possession short. And I look at the defensive talent that Georgia has with Bellamy and Carter and Roquan Smith, and I trust that defense more than just Okoronku on the other side to make some splash plays defensively. I'll take Georgia as well. So, yeah, if I look at Alabama-Clemson 3, the the big questions are obviously a lot of the familiar faces are gone. Uh, Both of these teams have had a lot of turnover. Um, Losses to the NFL draft, Alabama is reloading. Clemson is now at that point in the program where they're now reloading as well. Um, I think Calvin Ridley, offensively for Alabama, needs to have a big game against the Clemson secondary. Uh, Ridley is never a guy that's going to get a lot of consistent targets just because the passing game in Jalen Hurts is not at that level at this point in Hurts' development as a college quarterback. So how can the the Alabama offense implement Ridley, take advantage of his skill set, and really allow him to make a positive impact on this game? Whether that's the short game, the stream game, uh, manufacturing him some touches. You have to be able to get your best football players the ball. And Ridley is not a player that in this caliber of a game, you can feel good walking away giving him six targets. He's got to get the ball more than that. So I I think his usage and his ability to make the most of those opportunities is going to be a big piece on Alabama scoring points against the Tigers. Yeah, you know, one thing that I'm looking for in this game is is these this linebacker core for Alabama who is not what they were hoping to have, right? I think that they were kind of banking on this Rashawn Evans, Sean Dion Hamilton uh, duo on the second level, and they've had injuries on top of injuries. You know, Sean Dion Hamilton's not available, and Rashawn uh, Evans is really asked to kind of carry the load there in the middle and, and, and be the uh, the field general on the second level. And he's going to have a tall task here against this uh this Clemson backfield, you know, with their running back tandem of Travis Atine and, and Tavian Feaster, kind of a nice little duo of, of, you know, really, truly thunder and lightning. And then Kelly Bryant, who's a, a potent guy with the ball in his hands at quarterback. And so, you know, Rashawn Evans is really going to be tested here in terms of, of making really good reads and, and showing off his range because they're going to want to make Alabama cover every inch of the football field. And, and they have the, the weapons to do it and uh, you know, maybe the concern on the second level against Alabama. So you like the extra time they have to prepare, but still I think this is going to really come down to Rashawn's and his ability to really, you know, work laterally uh, and, and answer the call against a, an offense that's really going to stretch him. Yeah. And defensively for the Tigers, I, I, I think the, the biggest key to the game is how does Clemson elect to use their pass rushers? Do they want Cleland Farrell and Austin Bryant, both who are draft-eligible and excellent prospects, are they going to use them as contained rushers, or are they going to trust them, let them off the leash, and say, hey, go get it in the backfield? Because if you lose contain on Hurts, he's going to make you pay with his legs. He can throw on the run. He's athletic. He can pick up yardage if you're playing man-to-man coverage against him. So what... Do they elect what avenue do you think they think is the best way to contain Hurts in the pocket? Are they going to try and meet him at the top of his drop? Or are they going to contain rush him and maybe hope for interior pressure from Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence uh, to let that be the pressure 
that closes in on Hurts and gets in his face. I, I think that usage, those two edge defenders for Clemson have to play big if they are going to keep Alabama low scoring in this game. Yeah, let me uh, let me throw it to one more wide receiver in this game. You talked about Calvin Ridley and his importance uh, for Alabama, but how about Deion Kane for Clemson, who is a player that you know I think is suffered from not having Deshaun Watson at quarterback this year, um, and you know his his vertical element, his ability to stretch the field and, and get behind the secondary was something that really stood out last year with Deion Kane, and now he's he's kind of having to do more. Uh, work more levels of the field, show a more advanced route tree to kind of to get his touches. And so I, I think he's going to be asked to do a lot in this game. Um, obviously, I think Hunter Renfro and Ray Ray McLeod are good receivers. You know, those are guys that can that can create offense. But Deion Kane is going to have to be that featured target. And he's going up against an Alabama secondary, particularly at corner, where they have some, some guys that are NFL talent, Tony Brown and um, – even uh, Levi Wallace and Anthony Averett, all three of those guys are seniors and, and guys that, that have NFL futures. And so, you know, him win one-on-one matchups and creating separation against those cornerbacks, who I think would be very important for this Clemson offense uh, to, to make the plays and, and score the points that they're going to have to to beat Alabama. Joe, I'm going to give you my prediction. Uh, maybe if you want to ask the dogs for their prediction in this game too. You know, maybe, maybe get some extra opinions here. Uh, I think – Ultimately, Clemson is going to win this football game. I think they have more ways to win. I think their offense is more multiple as far as ways that they can manufacture consistent yards and identify mismatches. Uh, It's really hard to pick against Alabama, man, especially in a revenge game. I believe uh, Alabama is 10-2 in revenge games under Nick Saban where a team had beat them the previous time that they played. So history is not on the top side. But I do think uh, the Clemson offense has a decided advantage over the Alabama offense, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game. I, I can certainly understand your thinking there, but I am going with the Crimson Tide. I think for a couple of reasons, I guess three main reasons. Number one, you already spoke to. It's a revenge game. That stuff matters, man. Being, uh, you know, looking at yourselves and saying that you lost this team and now you have a chance to get that redemption. Uh, number two, the extra time. You know, the last two times that these two teams played was in the national championship game. Uh, where they had to play, you know, the following week. So they only really had one week to prepare for each other. This time, Nick Saban's given the extra time, the extra, what is it, four or five weeks to get his squad ready. And I'm really going to kind of bank on him being able to have his team ready and prepared. And then the last thing, and I know this is crazy, I really think that I think Kelly Bryant's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts' experience in these types of games I think also gives them an advantage, even though I, I think that Clemson's offense is much better. So that's why I'm going with Alabama, and it's fun because now we uh, we have different picks here. Yeah, now we got something else to have you probably beat me on and hang over my head for the next month, so it's awesome. Uh, that is going to do it for us here today on The Draft Dudes. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of 2018, which is crazy to think about uh we are really on the cusp of this draft thing taking off and we're seeing a lot of buzz and excitement about some of the stuff that we're putting up at ndtscouting.com and fan sports so we would kindly ask you guys swing over there and check out all of joe and i's work whether that's nfl or nfl draft or college football related so uh, with that in mind uh, if you have anything that you would like to hear us talk about on this show you know, for the coming shows of 2018 
uh, please feel free to reach out to us. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash NDT Scouting. Joe is on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I am on Twitter at NDT Scouting. And then uh, NDT Scouting's webpage also has its own Twitter account, NDT Scouting LLC, uh, which we kind of keep a running log of all of our latest postings and, and scouting notes and so on and so forth. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Crab signing off with Joe Marino, and we will catch up with you all on Wednesday. I am just an I, 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 Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life, and I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.